Welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. Today we are with Verity Castledown, who is owner of Truly Hooked, an indie hand dryer. We're sat in your dining room. In my dining room, yes. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm feeling slightly anxious that my dining room isn't full of tubs of dye like it normally is at this time on a Wednesday, but I'm also very excited to be talking to you. Brilliant. We have come along on a dye day, so um, we will actually see Verity in action once we've done the interview questions. Yes. We're very excited. <laughs> we are dying novices, so we we're really excited to see the process and, and see what happens. Hopefully I won't embarrass myself massively. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. We do that every podcast. <laughs> we do. So, so that the listeners can get to know you, because they may not have come across you and your brand before, can you tell us a little bit about your life? We'll come on to the yarn dye bit later mm-hmm. but who is Verity Castledown? So I am a mum of two first and foremost Alfie and Layla and before yarn and crochet and all of that came along I was a PhD student. I started that in 2011, had Alfie six months later, took six months off and then uh, lost my dad quite suddenly and shockingly and that made me reassess Mm-hmm. everything and the business kind of started then but other than doing yarn I'm not really anything else <laughs> you're eating that's I your that's a, yeah yarning mum family wife yeah. yarn yeah, yeah mom, that's, mom, you want that's pretty mine. much I think <laughs> my husband would say that that's probably yeah, my life too yeah. Yeah. holiday but and you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my gravestone will probably just say mum wife yeah. <laughs> See, my, my husband has got all this planned out. He's not going to top me off or anything, but he's going to make sure that my gravestone <laughs> is at the end of the row and on it it's going to say, she finally got to the end of the row. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> he has it like all that. planned out. Oh, that's, that's what fantastic. he's up to because everything is, I'll just be a minute, are you getting to the end of the row? Yeah, I'm going to just get to the end of the row. Oh, so the amount of times that happens. Can you guys sort the kids out? I need to get to the end of this row. Yeah. What was your PhD in? It was in medical sociology, which is not medicine lots of people get very confused and they think oh were you like operating and stuff no no it's not medicine at all I was looking at the interactions between people and patients and knowledge within a hospital setting okay um and it had impact on policy so it was much more kind of policy and people orientated rather than how to fix people but that's just as important sometimes isn't yeah, it definitely, yeah definitely because the whole visit to the hospital and how everyone interacts that can leave you with a good impression or a really bad one. Yeah and this specifically was looking at what happens with patients when they're discharged from hospital and how the hospital and the community Mm -hmm. um, speak to each other to try and prevent the patient being readmitted and where knowledge gets kind of lost and things break down and it was it was really interesting and I do I do miss it I do find myself thinking about it every now and again it was five years ago six years ago six years ago this summer that yeah. I was accepted onto the program so I've been feeling like all lots of my friends have now graduated they've all got their PhDs mm-hmm. so I've been feeling a bit kind of oh this is kind of weird but kind of nice that things have gone in a different direction and yeah. uh, whatever yeah. but, but this pick, is yeah. sorry fair you can you can pick things like that up sometimes yeah. later in life I I studied later in life yeah my mum did too so she did a it's, masters it's not something that lasts forever yeah you can do it sometime in the future maybe yeah maybe that leads on quite nicely so quick um kind of look at the timeline of your business so in 2012 you started the crochet business was that purely designing what was that element it was 
completely by accident. I'd started to crochet in um, October 2011 to distract me from dealing with everything with my dad and yeah. uni and kids and whatever. Um, and quite quickly people started asking me to make things, just friends and family, oh, can you make me this, can you make me that? It, I mean, it was shockingly bad to begin with, like the most <laughs> awfully cobbled together scarf you have ever seen, which I've still got somewhere, and Mez wore proudly for weeks. My wife made me this. Yeah, like, Don't show that to anybody. <laughs> it's awful. But then after a, a little while, sort of four or five months, I started thinking, actually, I quite like doing this. I developed my confidence. I had brilliant support from my um, now best friend who runs our local yarn shop. Um, she was very supportive and encouraging and really helpful and very brutally honest at times. <laughs> and then sort of April time, kind of conveniently around the beginning of the tax year, I thought, let's do this properly. Let's get set up. Let's do it properly. Set up a Facebook page. And it just kind of grew from there. I was very fortunate that Alfie then started at nursery, which my mum helped us to fund for a little while. So that gave me three days a week where I could just sit and crochet yeah. all day and make my way through orders and build up stock and everything. So it just kind of happened very naturally, very organically. It was never a conscious, I'm going to start a business yeah. today. So you didn't have the full pressure behind it of my business plan no. says I'm in month three and this is what should no, be happening. Yeah. None of that. None Which of is that. probably by the sense of it what you needed at the time yeah. was something that was more relaxed. Yes, definitely. So does that take us up to then twenty thirteen when you started dying? I started learning to die in twenty thirteen, yeah, about a year after I'd been doing the business officially. Customers were starting to ask me for very specific products. Um I was part of the cloth nappy community. Yep. Um, I know it very well. Good. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, from um, from a waste manager, I'm going well, rather than a pin. We used to push cloth nappies. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it was on a dodgy street dealing. It wasn't, but it was something oh, no, we used I pushed to do it as a council. Yeah. It was quite uh, a big thing, wasn't it? Maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. definitely. I think it's it's dipped a bit more now. Mm. But a lot of people were asking me to make little wool covers to put over their nappies Lovely. at night time, and they wanted very specific colours. And plus the yarn needs to be a non-superwash yarn so it mm-hmm. does its job properly. So I started looking into sourcing the yarn, struggled to find anything that was what they wanted and then I thought, well, maybe I could try making it you myself. So I did a bit of Googling, watched a load of videos on YouTube, managed to get some yarn off the internet and just had a go and that was it. it just, Springboard for Yeah, me. yeah. I carried on only dying for custom orders for quite a while for custom crochet orders and I think I don't know maybe four or five months after I started learning I felt confident enough to start selling very very small amounts just the odd oh I've done this skein does anyone want it and before I knew it people were asking more and more and more for the yarn so when Layla was born in November 2013 I wrapped everything up with the crochet custom crochet orders at that point because it was it was very hard trying to find half an hour to sit down and make a hat for somebody else when I'd got two little people vying for my attention whereas doing the yarn was much easier I could get Lola down for a nap Alf could go to nursery I'd get an hour to do quite a lot um, 
and could obviously generate more income for us yeah. with the yarn than I could just making a hat. Yeah. I think that's the difficulty with actually making things to sell with both knitting and crochet. Definitely. Is that the time that it takes to make yeah. the item and then the yarn it doesn't really warrant what you should realistically sell yeah, it for. Definitely. So you end up taking quite a low pay yeah, per hour. I had this you should really realistically I achieve. had this conversation with my stepdad quite a lot. He's an accountant. Yeah. So he obviously wanted to know all my overheads, all my time, mm. all of my blah, 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 and gave me all of these formulas to work it out. And it came out at something like £63 for a hat yeah. for a yeah, newborn baby. Nobody's going to pay that. No. Nobody's ever going to pay that. Even people who understand the industry yep. and know all of this the time aren't going to pay that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I could make £63 on balls of yarn that take me less time to make than a newborn baby hat so yeah. it kind of it speaks for itself as kevin beacon really. would say it's a no-brainer it mm. is yeah. a no-brainer definitely yeah. so um one of the things that we're quite interested in lynn works from her house i work from home as well that i mean it's quite an interesting setup to work from home because you're in this space all the way through and I mean it's great because you can use your dining room as your dye studio so you can almost transform your house into different things at different times yes. of the day what do you do to cope because there, there is a coping mechanism I think that's needed to be able to work from home and what do you do to be able to bounce off other people to have a, almost like a team around you I I think it's it's quite challenging working from home people often say to me oh surely you want to have a studio by now no Actually, I don't want a studio because I really like having everything in my house. Yes, it's a bit chaotic, you know, stuff is just shoved everywhere, but I've got my system here and it works. And it means, like last night, for example, I had a, a moment of, oh God, I've got so much I need to do and I'm going to lose a bit of time today doing this, which is fine. So I just grabbed a few skeins, shoved them in a few pans and that was that done yeah. and I instantly felt better because I was on top of it whereas if I had the studio I'd have had to make sure the kids were okay yeah go to the studio get everything set up do everything I wouldn't then be able to leave the studio until I'd finished the whole process whereas at home shove it in a saucepan leave it for half an hour come back rinse it when I can be bothered hang it out to dry when I get time I'd, that's something that I can actually get done in 10 minutes at home would probably take two hours if mm, I went to yeah. a studio yeah and then there's the other factor is that your overheads are reduced because gotcha, you aren't yeah. renting somewhere yeah. just to die or to make or do your thing yeah I, mean, I think it's probably different if you're selling from that space as well but actually if you're just renting a place to make that has an impact on your overheads yeah yeah and I think because I get those two days a week when both of the kids are either at school or nursery it's much more efficient for me to just get everything out at home bang everything out in those two days and then put it all away and then know that I've got the next five days to do all the other stuff yeah, yeah. that has to be done yeah. which I can fit in you know Layla has a nap and I can spend an hour replying to messages or sending invoices or packing parcels mm -hmm. or you know at the weekend Mez will take the kids to the park and I can get a bit of time to do bits and bobs here and there I have to be more strict with myself really I need to stop replying to messages at six o'clock in the morning and at 11 yeah. 30 at night when I wake up and yeah. I'm about to go to bed and making sure weekends are weekends for the family not 
for work. I but think it's, that's the hardest thing, yeah. really, is that a cut-off time where you think family time now yeah. and for me that is generally the weekend because normally in the evenings I do still have a lot to do that I haven't got through in the day yeah so, okay and I do a lot of knitting in the evenings for samples and things like that but I do try at the weekend because we've got to tidy up and go shopping and yeah all the boring family. stuff <laughs> yeah life still continues yes. around yeah. you and you yeah. still have to keep up with it you do yeah, yeah. it does yeah. so one of the things that I thought I would really struggle with when I left the job that I had back in December was this idea of not having a team around me and not having anybody to bounce ideas off. Um, but actually, that's what social media does. Yeah. Social media <laughs> is it is absolutely amazing. Uh, obviously, my husband, is he is brilliant. He's the most fantastic sounding board. A lot of ideas in the last year or so have been down to him. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, any issue that I have, he's the first person that I talk to about it and he'll just let me rant at him. And then he's like, oh, well, why didn't you try this? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'd have probably come to that conclusion on my own, but thank you for stating the obvious. But I do have the most amazing group of friends on social media. I'm really lucky to be part of a collective called Yarn Mama, yep. which I've talked about on my Facebook page. We are, there's eight of us. We are mostly indie dyers and then... Um, Nicola makes crochet hooks, Becky does all sorts of knitting and crochet accessories and all sorts and we we come together once a month and we have a themed market night that allows us all to kind of you know promote our products to a wider audience and that works really well but aside from that we are really really good friends and we're in lots of different groups on Facebook with us and various customers and other friends that we've made but then we have our own little group which is our safe space yeah. where we can go and we can say, oh my God, this is horrendous. I can't deal with all of this. I just, somebody give me a slap and tell me to get a grip or I've got this issue with a customer or please can you help me find some motivation or, you know, everything yeah. is really stressful. Why won't the kids leave me alone so I can do this thing and make this whatever or just a general, you know, you've got this, you've got this. That's, that's all it needs. Just somebody else to say, you've got this, you're doing all right. It's fine. Yeah carry on and they are they are amazing they are absolutely amazing I think I don't know if I well I could probably speak for them but I know that I couldn't do this quite isolating yeah. work without them without that support yeah. yeah and we're we're all meeting up for the first time we're all going to be together is at Yarndale this year oh, four of us are exhibiting which is amazing and then the other four including Hutch who lives in Northern Ireland we're all coming together and we're all staying in a house together for the whole weekend. Oh, wow. Which <laughs> sounds like fun. I think if it wasn't a work weekend, it would actually be brilliant because we'd just have the most amazing time. But I kind of feel a bit sad that half of us have got to work. Yeah. But the, like, the other ladies will be coming to the event, obviously. So we're all going to be there. We're all going to be around. And I'm just, I'm so excited to have us all, all together in the same place. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. I foresee a lot of shrieking yeah. just well, out of curiosity are they all the same age as you or do you have a different is it the range range no we're quite a wide age range i can't think who's the youngest i might actually be the youngest um the oldest is in her early 40s yeah so we're, we're kind of like 10 15 years that's apart, quite nice so i think yeah. that's the thing with crocheting that it does bring people of yeah. different ages together it doesn't feel like were different ages at all I kind of assume that everybody is the same age as me <laughs> everybody everyone is the same age yeah. as me especially on the internet you kind of you kind of lose 
lose touch really of who it is you're actually speaking yeah. to. You just kind of assume, oh yeah, you're the same as I am. But <laughs> yeah, there are there are fewer boundaries on yeah. the internet. I think for for things like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But no, we're a great we're a great group of friends. Between us, we've got something like twenty five children. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> luckily all the kids won't be there at yard day yeah. that would just be a you little need a bit much too much bigger to, house. yeah I need a lot of gin to cut that as well <laughs> um, if it's alright we'd probably like to put a link to um, your mamas on yeah, the, the show notes I've bought through um, yeah. that on quite a few occasions Lynn I know that you've started as well we've got somebody within the knitting and crochet club that I run uh, Rebecca, who I know you know. Yes, yes, lovely, lovely Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, so she is like finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. And I'll say, oh, I'm looking for this. She'll be like, have, you, try this. have you tried such and such? And their Instagram feed is really good. And have you come across your mamas? And I'm like, how, do you, how do you know all of this stuff? But she Rebecca, would you like a PR out. job? <laughs> she, do you know what? She, <laughs> she would be good. great yeah. at it. You know, I think she's quite happy with what she does in kind of IT stuff, but she's... Yeah, she's phenomenal at weeding out the latest stuff that's yeah. coming out. She's she's great filter of information for me for the business and stuff. I think as well with Rebecca, it just goes to show she only started to knit and crochet maybe about a year or so ago. Because do you remember she came to wool gathering yeah, and she just taught herself. Now. Yeah. And she just absolutely fallen in love with hand dyed yarn. Yeah. And yeah. really, it's through Rebecca's that I've now kind of got the book yeah yeah she she comes to all gathering with a bag and she'll just be like and i've got this and and i've worn this and i've got this (laughs) and and she's got the most fascinating colors that she'll use as well yeah incredible so she's she's really quite inspirational Mm. on what she'll buy because it's so different from what i would buy and that's the beauty of our club as well as you you get so many different things coming fantastic no it's really good so what I was going to ask is whether you can talk us through a little bit about your dyeing process and what you do to get such amazing colours. We've actually got some on the table. We'll photograph these for the show notes. But there's everything in there. We've got teal, we've got purple, we've got pink, we've got like a blue, bright pink. I would say that's, yeah, like amazing bright pink, light pink, luminous. There's everything in there. I like pink. You do, don't you? This I is do. the one that I looked through your, your Etsy shop and I was like, yeah, Venti loves pink. 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 <laughs> yeah. Mez noticed it. Like, I, I normally don't notice it. To me, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that one and that one and that one and that's different to that one and that's fine. But at, um, where were we? Wonderwall. He was looking at the stand and he was like, there's loads of pink here. No red. I hate you red. You don't like red. I hate I red. I'm going to put it out there. Shop. Red is the one colour that I cannot stand dying. So if it, you like red... Like, pick a different colour. Yeah, don't just don't ask me to do red, please. The amount of times that I've put red on yarn, and in my head it looks red, and then someone's like, no, that's pink. Yeah, <laughs> like the raspberry. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't do red. I hate red. But I'm, I'm going to make myself do a day, probably next week, where all the pink dyes stay in the cupboard. And I'm going to force myself. But will you choose instead? I don't you know, because oh, no. it's, it's just, it's my go-to colour. Like... I don't tend to think through what I'm doing until I'm actually putting the dye on the yarn. So I'll put the first three or four colours on and then I'll think, 
oh yeah that needs some pink in it. <laughs> every time you can guarantee the last colour that goes on is pink and, and I've it's just got like, to switch off that yeah. filter yeah. it's not one pink you have got many oh god I've got like there. 20 you've got the purpley pinks you've got it so it's not like you've got one shade that you use and no. that's it but you definitely have a preference all for pink all the pinks yeah. all the pinks but the weird thing is if you ask me what my favourite colour is I'd tell you it was probably purple or green but pink is the one that I dye the most I was working on this the other day because I don't know what my favourite... Like, I love the mustard colour that I've got on today. But actually, probably the thing that I buy the most and use the most are blue and greens. Yeah. But they're not colours that I wear that much. Or maybe I do, and I just... But I wouldn't recognise them as my favourite colours. It's very yeah. odd. What you do and what you practice is often quite different from the way that you perceive yourself yeah. and your colour sensibilities. Definitely. Yeah. I buy... Sorry, I buy really obnoxious, bright, clashing colours but I, t- I don't wear those colours <laughs> no. at all I tend to wear blue and black and grey and pink quite often I think somebody said if you look in your wardrobe or or you have favourite scarves or a couple of favourite scarves get everything out that you wear the most and then you'll realise what your favourite colour is yeah. rather than the colour that you think because yeah. I always think oh green's my favourite colour or I don't I own an item of green clothing I don't think <laughs> <laughs> so it can't be can it no, no. Oh. No, if you look to the colour of the walls in my house as well, blue and green. Yeah. So actually, there's my indicator. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what I've done. So sorry, I digress. Your dyeing process. Yes, I have. I have quite a few. It kind of it depends on what I'm doing, what I want to achieve, and um, what it's for. I guess um, I have a a blanket club that I run every few weeks, and I do a lot of solid colours for that. So they tend to get dip dyed in a big saucepan on the hob. For some of my other clubs, like my sock club or my monthly themed boxes, I tend to do what most people would call a hand-painted yeah. method, where the skein is laid out flat and you apply the dye to various sections of it and then it gets wrapped in cling film and microwaved. But I have a, a bigger scale method of that that I've developed that allows me to do kind of 10, 15, 20 all at once. Whereas the kind of traditional hand-painting method is probably one or two mm-hmm. at a time. So you've managed to upskill your process? Yes, yeah, I have. It's taken quite a bit of trial and error, and I'm sometimes a little bit secretive about it, because although I'm, I'm part of groups on Facebook, and I'm always happy to talk to people about how to dye yarn and how to get in it into it because it is so widely available on mm-hmm. the internet it would be stupid of me to say i'm the first person in the world to do kettle dyeing and nobody else can ever do the same thing the bits that i have worked out on my own that involved a lot of trial and error and swearing and things going in the bin and dye everywhere and just a mess i i don't tell people exactly how i do those bits but i i think kettle dyeing is probably my favorite Mm -hmm. method it's not my go-to method because kettle dyeing you can literally only do the amount of skeins you can fit in a saucepan which is normally two or three so it's much harder to replicate Mm -hmm. kettle dyed yarns and i'm getting more and more customers wanting to make bigger projects i'm wanting to make bigger projects myself so my kind of hand painted hybrid method is the best one for getting Mm -hmm. repeatable colorways yeah but the kettle dyeing is perfect for just, you know, the single skein projects, for that beautiful scarf that you mm. want to make where you know that you don't need any extra or for that statement yoke in a jumper yeah. or something. The kettle dyed skeins are 
they're lovely and they're when you have the most kind of creative freedom I guess so I do enjoy I do enjoy that method that's the first method I learned so it will always always be very fond mm. to me <laughs> so that's something that I haven't been able to um, really track from your website not no fault of yours it's more me not tracking you for a long enough period of time with your colorways have you got some standard colorways that you will always do that customers yes. could go to as a okay i've run out of this skin and i know that vedity will have another one that i can buy from her yes how do you split that how do you work that out? i do i do i have quite a few popular repeatable ones which i don't tend to keep them in stock but they're ones that i can just dye up fairly easily and although they are repeatable colorways i have to caveat it with they are separate dye lots yeah, so yeah. even if you've bought three of them and you run out and you want me to do you some more i can't guarantee you're going to get a close match and those three skeins that you bought to begin with you shouldn't use one full skein then one full skein yeah. then one full skein you should always alternate balls every two or three rows three or five rows whatever because even though they have been dyed at the same time, there will be tiny little differences between each of those skeins. And there's nothing worse than making your thing and then holding it up and realising that there's a massive change in pooling somewhere because you've switched your skeins. And some people don't mind that, but it can be quite detracting from Mm -hmm. the garment. But yeah, I do do have quite a few. This is one of them on the table in front of us. It's gorgeous. OMFG which is a lovely kind of... This is on a yak base. So the, the yak I is like a kind of greyish-brown colour to begin mm-hmm. with. So you get Okay, deeper. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I meant to keep some, which is really annoying. I've dyed loads of it this morning. And That's I meant to right. put a skein to one side <laughs> to show you. But that gives much mm-hmm. deeper, richer tones. But yeah. OMFG is like everybody's favourite combination of pink, purple and yeah, kind of it is, like yeah. darkish... It's yeah, really teal kind of blue. It's lovely. The and teal I, is gorgeous yeah. in that. Look at that. I also do one called Electric Peacock, which is really popular, that has a really, really like neon green in it with um, a kind of Caribbean blue, and then that goes through into royal purple as well. And there's some lovely blending between the colours as yeah. it goes through. That's a really popular one. What I tend to do is I, I do sort of September, October time, I do a big yarn co-op, which is where... I put up kind of 10 or 15 different colourway options and then you all get to order as a group and the more that the group orders within a period of time, the more discount everybody receives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tends to be really popular and that's a really good way for me to test the repeatability of colourways yeah. and for me to work out which colourways are the most popular ones to add to the repeatable range. Um we are in the process of, I say we are, my husband is in the process of when he's not doing the four million of the jobs that I get him to do, um, building a shop for the website, which will have very specific sections of repeatable colorways. You can yep. order these at any time and <laughs> we will get them to you as quickly as possible. Plus the kind of one-off yeah. section. And then there'll be a section for custom stuff too. Shopify brilliant platform for bolting on that's what i use and i really love it brilliant and the way that you can track customer bases it's it's fab Fab. and there is a free version and then you can move up to a larger version but if any listeners are thinking about selling and bolting on to their existing website 
like I looked into it quite a lot before I set up and Shopify was the one that I went with. Yep. Really decent, really good communications, really good tracking of your services. Fab. Love it. I will tell him. I'll tell him to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were a first time dieter, what would you recommend as being a good first method in terms of not wanting to buy loads of stuff, trying to use what you've maybe already got in your household? Somebody might be going off to a yarn festival in the next few weekends and they come across the dye stand. Yep. What could they do? What could they buy? And then what could they do at home? You can do two things. Lots of people like to dye with their children. They, they do it as a kind of fun learning project. So if you're going to do that, use food colouring or Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. You can get Kool-Aid off eBay, Amazon. You can get it in some shops. Food colouring you can obviously get anywhere and most of us have it in the cupboard. I started off with food colouring mm-hmm. way back when. Um, Was it pink? No, actually. <laughs> was no. it red? No. No, it wasn't red. Um, and the other thing you need is vinegar. So you can pick up um, yarn anywhere. You can go to your local yarn shop and get white yarn. All you need to do is soak that in a little bit of vinegar. And then you can either squeeze that out and lay it on some cling film and then add your food colouring directly to it and then just kind of squish it in, roll it up in cling film, cook it in the microwave. Or what you can do is you can leave that skein in the vinegar with some water in a saucepan, pop that on the hob, squeeze in your food colouring in various different places and then slowly heat the water Mm -hmm. and leave it. And the food colouring will disperse in the water and soak up into the yarn in different places. Okay. And you'll get I always wondered how it worked mm. and whether you'd get patches which didn't have anything, but that wouldn't Potentially, matter. you will. It depends on how much dye you put in and the kind of the, the dimensions of your pan as well. Yeah. Fish kettles work really well. Yes. So they're long kind of, thin. Yeah, long yeah. and thin. So you can lay your skein in there. You don't want too much water in. If you... Well, kind of depends, actually. If you have quite a lot of water in... Your dye is probably not going to permeate quite as much and you might end up with quite pale colours or quite patchy bits. It depends what you want. Ideally, you want about a centimetre of water above your yarn and then you can pop your food colouring in anywhere um, and then just heat it. You want to heat it gently. Don't crap Boiling out the back of it. Side of it. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't. I've done that. Not good. And then leave it to cool. And you need to keep an eye on on the water. And when the water's completely clear, then you can turn the heat off. Leave it to cool and then rinse it in the sink. Hang it up. Leave it to dry. Leave it to cool. There you go. Or if you're going to an event and you come across dyes, the best thing to get is an all-in-one dye because that has the acid in it already. So all you need to do with that one is soak it in water and then mix a little bit of the dye powder in I use a jam jar. Mm-hmm. I used to use jam jars. I'd use like a big catering <laughs> sauce. That shows you how much your yeah. business is scaled yeah, up. Yeah. Used to use just a, like a normal little jam jar and then it went to like a big mayonnaise jar yeah. and now it's like a <laughs> litre bottle of whatever. Pop like half a teaspoon of powder in the bottom, fill your jar up with water and then you can um, use a syringe. Syringes are brilliant, if you, especially if you're kettle dyeing. You can use your syringe and you can squirt little bits into the pan. Gosh, yes. Plus the syringe will allow you to go right down to the bottom mm, of yes. the pan so you, can so you don't specific. end up with just a lovely, you know, perfect <laughs> yarn on the top and then you flip it over and it's just well, completely white. Yeah. That's happened quite a few times too. But yeah, syringes are brilliant. But the, the all-in-one dyes are great. A lot of pro dyers use all-in-ones. I've got yeah. plenty of all-in-ones that I use as well as various other dyes from various other places. I'm like a, 
a magpie when it comes to dyes. <laughs> I've got so many different ones. Which is partly why sometimes someone will say, oh, I've seen this colourway that you did. Can you remake mm. it? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Ish. Ish. <laughs> like some of the dyes that I use now, I didn't use six months ago. Yeah. So even yeah, if it's a colourway. Yeah, yeah, even if it's a colourway that you bought from me at Fiber East last year, I might, might not, not be able it. to do it again. Yeah. So I, I think that's the beauty of indie dyes, though. And it's kind of the whole point the, I was yes, just about to say that's the whole point I know people do like to go back and maybe buy another skein of yarn because they really liked it but the point is yeah. it's indie dyed and yeah. ideally and yeah, get it's it while unique you can. Yeah. Yeah. and bases change and fashions change yeah. as yeah. well and that you see that coming through with the yarn colours yeah. you really see the difference you know this year to last year to the yeah. year before and even the, the dyes changed I, I have some dyes that I get from the same supplier and I buy a new pot when I've got, I don't know, an inch left in the old pot. And the new pots come, and even though they're the same dye, same number, same code, same everything, they'll look completely different yeah, yeah. in the pots because their dye lots are different, the mm. same as my dye mm-hmm, lots are different. Yeah. Even though I'm using the same materials, and even if I weighed it, I'm not a dyer yeah. that weighs my dyes. I ain't got time for that. You- no, can't, can't yeah. be dealing with that. You're not Sheldon about this process. <laughs> no, God no, no. It's very fluid and flexible for me. Not that there is anything wrong with weighing and measuring and being very meticulous. It does mean you can repeat things more accurately. Yeah. It's just not for me. It's not the way that I work. But even if I did, even if I measured out the exact amount of dye, the exact amount of water, factors change yeah. it, it doesn't matter we do it in in the yarn dyeing group on facebook actually we set up little challenges every now and again and even if the challenge was use these four dyes from this company use this amount of dye yeah. use this amount of water apply it in this method you could guarantee you'd get 100 completely different skeins but it's, that's the beauty of it isn't it yeah so yeah i guess if you're somebody that doesn't like the different mm-hmm. yeah then you should stick to your large-scale yarn brands yes yeah. but if you if you want something that's going to change as you crochet it or knit through it and will bring a different element to the project yeah. then hand out yeah and also i think something that's had a lot of love attached yes. to it whilst yes. it's actually been made and that's not to say that the large commercial plants don't either because we met alan from um, Laxton's and so passionate. utterly yeah. passionate mm. about what he does mm. so it's not to say that large scale is dispassionate that's not the point at all but it's ju- it's just it's different when you see Indie Dyed yeah. it is different it stuff is. can it I is. just ask a very quick question you know yes. when you talked about the vinegar yes what does that actually do then in the that's, process that's the fixative okay so that's that's the important part you, I went through a phase of only using the um the all-in-one dyes and I found actually the results weren't quite as good because although the fixative is in the dye mm-hmm. using something like vinegar or citric acid just really helps to set it so is that the mordant is yes that, okay yes it. but essentially you need acid and you need heat yeah if you don't heat your yarn yeah. you ain't gonna just drop you ain't gonna keep your color yeah. in it it's not gonna work even if you heat it really gently not going to work you you need to give it enough heat and enough of the acid and vinegar is brilliant for starting out with for a really long time i used vinegar even up until a year ago i was using vinegar like buying gallons of the stuff so it's that white vinegar yeah 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 white vinegar you can use malt vinegar it just smells a bit more Mm. and it might tint the yarn Mm -hmm. slightly 
Um, but yeah, distilled white vinegar. But now I use citric acid, which I can buy. Yeah, in bulk, much cheaper, yeah. and it's much easier to kind of keep the water topped up yeah. with the citric than it is with vinegar. Mm. Plus, it doesn't smell. That that would be my one point. Sometimes when I've bought hand dyed yarn and it does just it can smell of vinegar, but yeah. that's fine because you're going to wash it anyway. Yes. Well, hopefully you can all wash yeah. whatever you <laughs> and This is because I'm like, blocking everything yes. must be washed and blocked. I would hope that people are washing their items. It did get a little bit overwhelming. Like, I wouldn't necessarily notice it because I'm in it all day. But Mez would come home from work after, like, 15 hours in the kitchen to a room that just stank of wet sheep and vinegar. <laughs> and it was like, I can't deal with this. Like, why am I even come home and do this? Come back to Go back to work. <laughs> But no, the citric doesn't smell, so I can fill the house, and now we just get wet sheep instead of vinegary wet sheep. Sounds a bit better. I'd rather have wet sheep than wet dogs, so you know, that's that's much better. Just wondering, if people wanted to be pointed towards a good resource for first-time dyeing, is there, I know you mentioned YouTube earlier, is that or any decent books, or any decent blogs? I can't think of any blogs off the top of my head. I'm pretty useless when it comes to things like that, but... There's two companies I can immediately think of that do kits. One is Doodle Stop. She's one of the yarn mamas, so yep. you can find her through the yarn mama page. Um, and she does a great little kit. Or DT Crafts also do one. You can find dyeing kits on Amazon and eBay, but they're often not quite set up for yarn dyeing. They're mm-hmm. more set up for fabric dyeing, yeah. um, which use slightly different dyes. You can use fabric dyes, um, Procyon. You can use that on wool. Um, and I use those with acid dyes quite interchangeably, but the results are slightly different. And then, yeah, YouTube. YouTube's absolutely brilliant. You can find everything on YouTube. I found everything that I needed to know on YouTube, and you can find like video tutorials. Yeah. And so what would you point people, if they were to go to YouTube, kettle dyeing? Yeah, or just literally how to dye yarn, and then quickly you'll work out that there are a few different methods. The dip dyeing, hand painting, kettle dyeing are the, the three kind of big ones. But yeah, you can find hundreds, hundreds Brilliant. and hundreds and hundreds of tutorials on the internet. Well, we'll have a look at those later. <laughs> so moving on, the next stage of the process, once yes. you've made all of your lovely yarns, now you're going to sell them. Yes. So at the moment you have an Etsy shop. I do, yes. You have your yarn in local yarn shops. I do, yes. And then... Knit Nottingham, you've Yes, Knit Nottingham, yeah, where I bought my first ever ball of yarn. It's a nice, nice cycle. Yeah, it is. It and is then exciting. we also met you at Wonderwolf A and I. Yes. This year, so is that how it is for you? Etsy shop, yarn shops, and then festivals. Is that your outlets in the main? At the moment, yeah. I also sell through Facebook, which is a great it is a great platform for small businesses to be able to sell. So I have market nights on there, or okay. I'll link to Etsy sales or what have you. We we do want to try and move away from. Facebook and Etsy. Facebook's a bit more time consuming for sales because people will say, oh, I want to buy this, and then they message me with their email address, and then I send them an invoice, and then I have to wait for them to pay. And that can be quite time consuming, sometimes waiting for them to get in touch, yeah. or they're waiting for me to find the time yeah. to send the invoice. And Etsy is Etsy is brilliant. Etsy is a wonderful, wonderful platform. However, once you've factored in PayPal fees and it's Etsy fees, yeah. It yeah, is. and I, I don't want to put my prices up to have to reflect the fees that I have okay. to pay. So at some point, we will start getting our own shop sorted so that our overheads 
change yeah. and we're not having to pay money to other companies just to sell the product. But yeah, yarn shows. Shows are brilliant. I love doing shows. I absolutely love doing shows. My first one was um, a festival in 2013? 14. 2014. So Layla was one. So I had had her in a sling on my front for most of the day. She's like the show mascot. She comes to all the shows. <laughs> Wonderwall actually was the first show that she didn't come. No, yeah, she wasn't there. No, was she, she wasn't. Mister. She had a weekend with Grandma and I just felt really bereft. Oh. It was really weird not having her there. And lots of the other exhibitors who'd seen us before yeah. kept coming over and saying, well, where is she? Where is your She's daughter? not here. <laughs> Stop reminding me. But, uh, but no, we did Festival, which was lovely. And then our first big one was Fibre East last summer, which yeah. was just, it was fantastic. I haven't been there. I'm planning on trying to go down for that one this year because I hear such great reviews about it. Yeah, I, I really, really like it. I think it's a great show. It's it's in a school, so some of the some of the areas are within the school hall. We were lucky to be in the school hall last year. The weather was not I did hear that, yes. that great. <laughs> and there um, are some marquee tents outside. Yes, and there are yeah. also marquees outside. And then there's another hall as well that they used last year too. I, I can't think how many stall holders there are there, but there's plenty of indie dyers. Um, there's a few like crafting kind of things there too, not just yarn. And people doing like all sorts of notions and spinning and fibre. And um, some of the suppliers... Are there too, like John Arben, who has his own amazing range of yarns. They, they are a mill too, so they do supply mm-hmm. dyers within the industry. And you'll find Chester Wool at lots of the shows. They're my supplier and I love them. Um, and Laxton as well, yeah. you already mentioned, they tend to pop up at lots of the shows. And they're, they're, not, they're not all just about indie yarn. You can often pick up bargain commercial yarns yeah. too. Stylecraft normally have loads of their packs. You see people wandering around with massive bags full <laughs> of stylecraft packs. But it's always it's always really good fun to go to a show. I've been to a few as as a punter. I've been to Five Reese as a punter. I've been to Yarndale. I went to Yarndale the first year and it was very different to how it was last year and the year before. And it it's it's good fun. It is really good fun going to a show. You get to meet up with like minded people, you get to see yeah new businesses that you've probably never heard of before. I met a great lady at Fibreese two years ago, Rosie from Rosie's Moments. Rosie's Moments, yep. Who has become, she's like, I've said it before, she's like my show mum, I love her. She's, her and Colin, her partner, are just so supportive and encouraging yeah. and fantastic. It kind of, like, it makes you feel like you're part of this little family and all the exhibitors yeah. are happy to see each other. And What's kind of kind of good but kind of sad at the same time is Rosie and I have both been nominated for yes. an award yep. and we're actually up against each other in the same category. You which... got my vote yesterday, sorry Rosie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that's the thing with, with the sort of yarn world is that everybody is really nice and even yeah. though you are competitors yeah. in a way at a festival, everybody is there to sell. But somehow it is such a nice community. Isn't it is. It? it is a wonderful community. We're not trying to make millions. We're just trying to be with our families and do the things we enjoy. Yeah, and it's your creative output. Yes. Yeah. As said in the last podcast, I never had any dreams of designing anything, and I wake up at two in the morning with design ideas coming out and like bolt up like that. Like, oh, that's what I need to do. Yeah. And I, somehow, somewhere. The tap got turned on. It and doesn't it can't, get turned it's off. It's never going to no. turn off. Yeah. Like, which is, 
great in some ways and in other ways it's a complete pain because I am awake most nights yeah. with stuff just churning and, churning. you know, I've already worked like a 12-hour day and I, well, I really needed some rest, but just it's all of this going. stuff and it might yeah. be colourways or what yarn am I going to use or if I could tweak that I could do it like this and just it, you can't turn it off no you can't you can't it's and the weird thing is I was I was never creative when I was younger like ask ask my mum ask mm. any of my relatives or my friends when I was at school I was the bookworm I was really scientific and just had no desire to do anything creative like I did dancing when I was little that was probably the only kind of artistic thing I ever did but no it was always like psychology and maths and biology and books and never anything like this yeah but I think there's so many people in the yarn industry like ourselves are scientific there is definitely seems to be a pattern yeah I have a scientific background Faye has a scientific background you do so many people that you talk to oh I used to do this and it's all scientific and I wonder whether the knitting and the crochet side of things because it's it's scientific yeah, and yeah. it's mathematical that then that's that's the link yeah. so whilst it is creative there is a mathematical Definitely. and scientific it's, background it's, to it's everything formulaic creativity it is, if you yeah. want it to be yeah doesn't it have to be yeah there's form. it is really interesting the amount of people that i come across who have come from academics into yarn dyeing jenny from fiber space yeah also quit a phd to go into yarn well, has quit a PhD and ended up in yarn the same as I did. I know other people who have done the same thing, and like my little scientific brain is going, "Oh, there's a research project in there. Let, <laughs> yes. Let's let's go and do a PhD <laughs> on the people who quit PhDs to do yarn. <laughs> How ironic would that be? But I I think I think you're right. I think there there is definitely something something in it, even though it doesn't seem it, it seems like they are very contrasting things science and art but I think there are They're intertwined there are massive definitely. links between yeah. them definitely so where can people see you at the end of July you will find me at Fiber East and then a week later you will find me at the British Wool Show in York I get like three days to rejig and get my head together I'll be dying like enough Constant. for everything yeah. before that and then two weeks after British Wool, I'll be doing the pop-up wool show up oh, in the Wirral. I want to do that oh, one this year. sounds interesting. Yeah, I was camping last year and couldn't mm-hmm. make it. So yeah, I'm just a little a little one-day one, but that'll be nice. And then I get a few weeks off, and then it's Yarndale, and then a couple of weeks after that, I'll be doing the knitting and stitching show at Alexandra Palace. Oh, wow. You're doing Ali Pali. I'm doing Ali Pali. I'm doing five days at a show. Oh, do wow. I don't... It's so busy. Oh, I know. I've been... I've been... And it's rammed. I don't actually know how I'm going to survive five days like a two-day show is exhausting enough but people will say to me our show must be like a really nice break for you god no 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 god no it's exhausting like we travel up the day before we spend like four hours setting everything up and then i then look at everything and think oh my god i hate it i need to move it all i need to have made like 25 different things (laughs) i want to buy more like stuff to display it on and then mez tells me to get a grip and it's fine and then i have some food and everything's okay again and then you get up really early Saturday and Sunday morning to make sure everything is looking perfect. Yeah. You spend all day on your feet, non-stop talking to people, mm. which is great. I love chatting to people. I love talking projects. I love all of that. But the combination of being on your feet and talking and like trying to encourage people to 
get this and get that and like rushing around after Layla who is normally mm. with us and is very mobile and active and whatever by the time you've done that for two days and packed it all down and, and driven back home yeah. again I don't drive Mazda's for driving I just get to sit and knit while he drives <laughs> but after you've done all of that you just like you can't do anything for a couple of days afterwards it's just so exhausting it's exhausting and, and you've really got five draining. days mm-hmm. and i've got to do five days of that and it's really busy and ali yeah. pali is the only place where i've ever seen customers Fighting. go in with you know the I, I call them tartan granny trolleys yeah do you know what i mean no. the ones on wheels five days good luck yeah so you'll be selling your yarn. Yes. You have your yarn for sale on in your Etsy shop as well and on Facebook. Yep. But um, also notice you have kits as well. And yes. you do your monthly little boxes. I do, yes. And notice in your bathroom you seem to be a big fan of Lush and you have yes. a Lush <laughs> themed, which I really liked. I thought, yeah. oh, that looks fantastic. So do you give a soap with that or something? Yeah, or I, did, um, I did it in February, March time. I kind of, I relaunched my yarn club because mm-hmm. before it would be you, you sign up you pay this amount of money and you'd get a surprise box and you wouldn't know what it was yeah. and I thought actually if I let people know the themes beforehand it might be a little bit more interesting and exciting yeah. for them it might generate more custom for me because people know what they're going to get rather than people taking the risk yeah. of you yeah. know it might be some really obscure thing that yeah. they hate. Or well, they might not like pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I suspect if they're coming to you, they know. Yeah. Weirdly, though, <laughs> often when I do the, the clubs and the, the theme boxes, I don't end up doing that much pink, although someone will probably turn around and say, well, actually, <laughs> I've been getting them for this long and 90% of them are pink, but, but in my Becca, mind... I'm sure she's got everything yeah, from you. <laughs> in my mind, they're not pink, but the, the I started off with the Lush one in February, I think it was, and everybody got either 100 grams or 200 grams of yarn, and then like, something like four or five samples yeah. of Lush products, wow. so rather than just putting in one big thing, they mm-hmm. got lots of little things to try, and then... Every time I do it, if you order the 200 gram size box, you get an extra gift in as well. So they got a full size bubble bar, um, and I'm doing Lush again this month, so I can't, I can't oh. tell you what I'm putting in it, but there's going to be different things to what was in the one last time. Um, and then what else have I done? I did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so that had um, mugs with the, the little zombie that used to walk across yeah. at the end, Urgh. the girl guy. Yeah, he was on the mugs. <laughs> Lynn was like, what yeah. are you talking about? That one. <laughs> Buffy fans will know. The Buffy box, I didn't think would be that popular, but it was, it is. It was the best seller, which really surprised yeah. me. Yeah, I saw somebody was doing a, a Studio Ghibli-based one. Yes. Was, my daughter is a massive fan. I would yeah. definitely buy that based on the fact that it's Studio Ghibli. Yeah. But yeah. the the planning of those boxes, I mean, it sounds like great. Oh, you know, do these boxes and you pay and send them out. But you know, you've got to plan out what to put in. You've got to find the products to presume yeah. and source them and buy them and then pack up all the boxes. Yeah, it must be a lot of work. It it is, but I really enjoy doing it. I tend to think about the next box when I'm working on mm-hmm. the current box. So I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do next time. It does require being quite organised. Yeah. And then do you follow up and do they feed back as to what they've made with their Often people scheme? do, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll tag me on Instagram or they'll send me Facebook messages yeah. and let me know what they've made. That's quite nice. That's my favourite yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, your your followers are really quite engaged, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. They really are. And they'll come and see me at shows as well. So for yeah. the knitting and the crochet, because you say you crochet more than you knit, will you then choose a specific 
yarn for the knitting pattern and then a different one for the crochets because so, they do we we've had a few tests haven't we with yeah. knitting and crochet with variegated yarns and sometimes they look nicer knitted and sometimes yeah. they look nicer crocheted so do you find that with your yarns that you prefer some knitted and you prefer some crocheted it depends what it is i think and it also depends on the yarn itself too often if i have a design in my head i'll either have a very specific color in mind that i want to use i've just designed it's a pattern for a top but you can adapt it to be a short sleeved or a long sleeved cardigan mm-hmm. as well and that's going i'm not supposed to say but i'm going to say it's going to inside crochet it's going to be in oh, issue brilliant. 82 love um, and i decided to do the cardigan versions in solid colors because i thought it's got quite a lacy bit on the bottom and i thought the lace is going to stand out more in a solid like yeah. your the top you're wearing now it's a similar sort of shape to it actually but if you did that in a variegated yarn you'd lose oh you'd, you'd lose, the pattern. Yeah. lose the pattern yeah. completely lose the pattern mm-hmm. so i've done the, the both cardigan versions are in solids and then the top i've used 100 grams of a gradient yarn so it starts off gray at the top and then it oh, works oh, through into other perfect. solid colors but it's just got that extra bit of mm. vibrance and pop that i like yeah. without it being too mental sometimes variegated yarns can be really distracting yes and it doesn't suit everything. Yeah, it doesn't suit everything. We, we discuss this quite a lot about people's purchasing habits and the acceptance that not everyone has got that creative streak and what they want is a kind of crochet by numbers, like the kit element. Yeah, or yeah. like a takeaway. Yeah. yeah, if I do X, Y, Z, I'm going to come out with that because they either don't want to or they can't think about how a yarn change would work or how a colour change would work. Yeah. They just don't have that capacity and there's nothing the matter with that. And so for them, they need a very prescriptive means of being able to do their craft. Yeah. And then you've got other people who can just mix and match and pull out different colours and see a pattern but see it as something completely different because of the yarn base yeah. or the yarn colours. And I think that's that's the brilliant thing about Ravelry and making sure you, you use Ravelry yeah. to look at past projects you know, I, I am very fortunate that my customers, when they do buy their patterns, they are really good at putting the projects up on Ravelry. So if someone yeah. gets in touch and says, I want to make this thing, but I don't like the colours you've used, can you tell me how it will look? Go and look on Ravelry. Yeah. Go and look on Ravelry at the past projects. I'm knitting a couple of cardigans at the moment, and I just I, I had some yarn that I wanted to use, and I found the pattern and just did it. So I've got the cardigan and I've used the pattern. And now that I'm familiar with the pattern, and I've looked at the yes. past projects more, I feel more confident to play around with the colours a little bit more and to do something a little bit different and to adapt the pattern ever so slightly. And that's I think that is my favourite thing about Ravelry yeah. because something can look so different in another yarn and you don't even like you don't even yeah. realise it's the same you know you don't. it's the same thing. Yeah. And even at looking all. at um, the Beatrix Shaw project page some people have just done really subtle gradients. Yep. There are solid colours. There are the rainbow gradient. Yeah, there's in ones that well. look much more stripy yeah. because of the way the colours yeah. have changed. Yeah. There's people who have done them in completely variegated yeah. yarns mm. or in solid, and they all look so different. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. It's really nice to yeah. see. Going back to the colour thing, Verity, yeah. I mean, you sat here with your gorgeous tattooed <laughs> sleeve. <laughs> you obviously like colour. Yes, I do. Bright colour. I do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. I never really used to i guess like I, I wouldn't have ever gone into a shop and picked the really brightly colored stuff but i think as i've got older and i've got more confident and comfortable with me 
I've, I feel like I don't actually care yeah. if I'm wearing a ridiculously coloured thing and somebody thinks, oh God, there's, you know, there's a cat thrown up on her or something. Yeah. I don't care. I, I choose colour because it makes me feel happy and I don't think there's anything wrong with putting a bit of colour and joy no. into the world. No, definitely not. And so the names, because we noticed um, you are names like Sweetie Based and that kind of thing. Is that influenced by your childhood or just the fact that you they all, like sweets? The, the names kind of come from all sorts of different places. When we do the Yarn Mama market nights, we theme them. So um, we've done... Uh, we did a Disney theme, we've done rainbows, we've done, I think we've done sweets. We've done album covers Yeah, we've well. done album yeah. covers, we've done, um, we did Tropical was the last one. Sometimes I'll, like, I'll be browsing through the internet and I'll see a picture and I'll think, oh I need to, I'll, like, I like mm-hmm. that, I'll save that one. So the name might come from something in the picture or yeah. places or I've just got back from my annual holiday to Wales so... Each year, I tend to do like three or four colourways that then reflect what I've been doing yeah. on holiday. Or um, sometimes I just sit and stare at it, and it's the first thing that, that like the name is the first thing that comes yeah. into my head. This one, the OMFG one, I dyed it, and then I put a picture up on Facebook, and the general response from people was OMFG. Mm-hmm. So just, <laughs> yeah. it, is. it just yeah. stuck. Yeah, and then there's a similar colour but more muted, and that one is called Mystic, which yes. I totally get. Yeah, it's kind of like Mystic coming through the fog. It's got that that kind of foggy grey in it. Yeah, and then we also have this one is called Breakout, which this is the neon one. Yeah, this one it <laughs> it's not overly neon. I mean, what's what's really funny is when. Um, when your mama first started, somebody asked us how we'd describe each other, and Hutch, one of the other yarn mamas, she described me as um, delicate and whimsical. All my colourways <laughs> were delicate and whimsical. <laughs> so, um, but then I discovered the neons and went a bit more vibrant, and so I did a colourway that was called Not Whimsical Anymore, and it started off with quite subtle, delicate colours at one end, and then it went, I think I had a white section in the middle, and then it just went mental. <laughs> and it kind of said it all, really. That kind of tracked my progression from yeah. being too scared to put too much dye in which is pretty much what it was in the beginning, diluting everything too much and having a lot of very pastel colours, to then thinking, oh, chuck in some more, yeah. Yeah. So do you have a plan when you start your dyeing? You've got your couple of days where you do all your dyeing. Do you have a plan? Do you think, right, on these two days, next week, I'm going to dye these colours, these colours, and it's going to create this particular colourway? Or do you just have a vague idea in your head and it's like, let's see how it goes? It's more How I feel what I need to get done so it'll be like this week for example I have had to dye a custom for somebody so that gets done and then I've got to do club colorways they get done Mm -hmm. and I've often got like I said earlier I've got ideas for what they might be but often it's a case of checking how much dye I've got in each tub it's all well and good deciding I'm going to use a yellow one today but if I've actually only got like a spoonful of yellow I'm not going to be able to do it all so I'd have to change that colour and then that'll influence another colour and and then sometimes I'll have in my head that I need to redo specific colourways so then they get done and then often it's just oh well I'll try that colour and that colour and see how they go together evolve yeah yeah Yeah. it's really fluid and flexible and totally organic and it's very rare that I'll sit down and say tomorrow I'm going to dye this colour with this colour and this colour 
like just that hardly ever do, happens. Do you think you're ever influenced by fashion and the the trends that are coming through? So like not intentionally. <laughs> the, the Neapolitan stuff, the kind of ice cream colours are quite big at the moment. Mm-hmm. Neon is still big. But do you think that hits you at all? Because you are surrounded by fashion and trends all the time. Do you think that influences you? I tend to exist in a bit of a bubble. Like, when I'm not dyeing yarn, I'm making stuff with yarn. I'm talking about yarn with people on the internet in yeah. groups that are, like, geared towards yarn. Or we're talking about children. I don't really... Like, I don't watch the news. I don't read any magazines. I listen to the radio, yeah. but I don't yeah. see... Yeah, they're not screaming colours at you. No, But no. I'm thinking about things like Inside Crochet, because the magazines definitely are... Yes, they ...fashion colour-led. And even if yeah, that fashion are. colour mm-hmm. is seasonal trends, they definitely have colour trends that they will work through. I think maybe it subconsciously goes in. I don't often actually get the time to read the issues. I, I have um, I have long-running adverts in a couple of magazines, so I get a copy of them every month, and I don't actually have that much time to sit through. Like, mm-hmm. I'll skim it to check that the advert's actually gone in. Yeah. So I'll, like, I'll skim it, so that probably subconsciously something is going in. Yeah. But it, I'm not overtly aware. You're, of yeah, you're not scanning Dolce & Gabbana's website no. to see what no. spring, summer 2017 is going to be. No, not That's at all. Fair enough. Not at all. Um, so when you've made all your gorgeous skeins of yarn, how do you part with them? Because I think, it, you know, if I'd created all these gorgeous things, I'd be like, oh, I'll keep that one, I'll keep that one. Is it hard to it, part with them, or do you collect them and you've got a massive stash upstairs? My stash is actually tiny. It's tiny. What? No, it is, honestly. People don't, they don't believe me when I say that. I've whittled it down. I've probably got about 20 skeins in my stash now, and they are all from other dyers. None of it's my own. If I want to make something, I'll just go and pick it off the shelves from upstairs. I don't particularly dye something and think, oh my God, I need to keep this. Mm-hmm. I often say on Facebook, I need to keep this. But the reality is there's no point in me keeping it because I won't get the time to use yeah. it in the way that I want to Quite use it. a practical approach. Yeah. In, in the beginning, when I first started dyeing, I did want to keep everything. And I have actually got, I can find them if you want pictures of them, I've got a little mini skein from the first two skeins that I ever dyed I've got them upstairs so yes please we'd love yeah, to see them and show lovely. so we can show the many skeins that you're talking about and the four that we've got on the table yeah. that we've been referring to that would be great yeah I can find those for you so other than than those really I've not particularly kept anything if, if there are a few things that I really like I do kind of earmark it for maybe a design yeah. or a selfish project mm-hmm. the cardigan that I just finished knitting I used skeins from the last themed box which was Monty Python themed mm-hmm. so the yarn was called the bright side of life oh, that's good. so I used quite a few like blue and aqua and orange and I think there, there was a pink in there <laughs> <laughs> not a neon pink though it was more of a magenta kind of pink but it worked with the other colours so I knew that I wanted to keep some of that for me because it's a great it's a great colourway and it kind of it reflects me quite yeah. well but now I'm quite I'm quite pragmatic about it. Unless I specifically know that has got to be a thing, it goes on the shelf, it goes on the internet. And it's for sale. And it's it goes. Yeah. yeah. And do you buy yarn? Do you buy manufactured yarn? Do you buy... I don't um, buy anything commercial. Indie no. Anymore. No. I've not bought anything commercial for quite 
sometime. I think the <laughs> hello Ollivander just, <laughs> just popped on the table. Hello. I think the last the last lot of commercial yarn I bought was last summer. Um, Eleanor from Knit Nottingham had a pattern published by King Cole and my little boy saw it and he wanted me to make it for him and it was a little crocheted sweater that looked oh. like the sea and it got little yeah. fish Aww. and seaweed and stuff on. So I bought the yarn and the pattern to make that for him. But yeah. other than that, no, I don't I don't buy commercial anymore because I've got no I've got no time, I've got no use for it. There's no point in me yeah. stocking up. Because if I do make anything now it's for a new design. Yeah. I I swap yarn clubs with some of some of the dyers so often their yarn will kind of sit they'll sit in the box in the attic until I decide that I need to do something with it I had yeah. a couple of skeins arrive last week that straight away I knew I wanted to make them the cardigan yeah. with so that's that's on the needles but that's quite rare that yeah. something gets on the needles so quickly after yeah. after arriving here so leading on from that then, Verity, can we ask you how many works in progress you have at the moment? Yeah, you might not have a stash, but I reckon you've got a work <laughs> stash. Yeah. Cardigan, blanket, another cardigan. I'm taking tally here. Maybe four pairs of socks. Wow. Three, four, yep. That's probably it. Wow. Actually. Seven is seven. That? Yeah. So then, there was a time when it'd be something like 30. Yeah. Oh no! Wait. There's there's one more. Oh, here <laughs> we go. No, Can we a, all do this. Yeah. There's a jumper upstairs that's been in hibernation for two, okay. nearly three years. I started knitting it when I was pregnant with Layla, and this was when I'd not actually been knitting for that long. So yeah. why I decided to do an entire jumper in four ply, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> but, ambitious. But I started it, and I thought I'll make it a little bit longer thinking I'd finish it while I was still pregnant. I'll make it a bit longer so I can fit my belly in it. I'll make the sleeves a bit shorter. So I got up to, it's a, a bottom up one. So I got up to where you separate for the sleeves, started knitting the sleeves at the wrists, forgetting that I was going to make them shorter. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah. I can't cope with undoing it and trying to start it again. And because I'd been kind of winging it a bit, nothing was quite fitting with the pattern. So that's been in hibernation for nearly three years now. But I was thinking about it the other day. I might go and look at it again and perhaps cast it off and make it into a cushion cover or... Do, yeah, do something yeah, else do with something it. with it. Yeah, try and, try and finish it off somehow. I might even just put little, like, short sleeves, like, yeah. little... Um, um, so, like a tank? Yeah, Not I mean, tank, it, it'll like end up being quite long still. Yeah, but that's so quite trendy be like at a the little moment, isn't it? Tunic. Long. Head of leggings, yeah. leather belt. Yeah, yeah. sorted. Because it's a shame all that hard work and time and effort that you put into it to unravel it. Yeah, and this yeah. was back when I was knitting like yeah. 10 stitches a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I think these, <laughs> so these sorts took quite of, some time to do. These sorts of projects are quite nice to look back on. Yeah. And think, oh, yeah, I made that when. Yeah. And like you say, this little story attached to it. It's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, sitting in a cottage in rural Wales with no TV, no internet, yeah. no radio, just me and my mum and my little boy knitting. Yeah, it was great. It's just lovely. Yeah, so I will I will finish that off. So eight projects we have you down for? Eight whips? Eight. Yeah, really yeah. not that many. And I got an answer last night. So I had this question. If you've done one sock of a pair of socks, is it a finished object? Or no. is it a working project? Apparently, it's a whole. <laughs> I love this. It's a half object. It's a whole. So I've got a really? whole at the moment. I love that idea. Half object. I think... That depends on what kind of sock wearer you are, because I know loads of people who will just knit one sock and then they'll wear odd socks. Yep. They, they don't care. See, Sarah, cool, do. black sheep yep. odd socks. So when you we could you could it. class it as a finished object. Technically, 
we need to reassess that number because oh no. <laughs> every time every person we interview this is what all happens. the um, all the patterns that are in the sock book I've knitted the first one sent the pattern to somebody else for them to knit the test pair that's yeah. going in the book so I think bar two pairs where I actually got somebody to finish the pairs for me I've got maybe eight half finished pairs but that's four pairs of socks still if I just match yeah. them or, so, or eight holes or eight your, holes your yeah, whole eight, eight holes <laughs> <laughs> I love it oh. so we kind of touched upon the sock book yes can, can we have a little bit more on that yes I um, started designing in January and there was not an intention of making a book it was just a, oh I've got this skein of yarn they're yeah. all solid colours because I spent the whole of last year knitting variegated socks yeah and as much as variegated yarn is amazing it doesn't lend itself that well to patterned yeah. socks and you tend yeah. to get a lot of pooling and once you've knitted the same sock like 50 times every sock essentially is the same to knit even if you're using different yarn because you're using the same pattern it all pulls in the same yeah. way and it just gets really boring and I just thought I'm, I want to try doing something else so I tried a few lacy patterns and the variegated wasn't working so the last couple of pairs I knitted at the end of last year were in solid colours and then I thought right I need to try and do some designs myself so I can encourage my customers yeah. to start using solid mm -hmm. colours much more so I've been doing a lot of solid designing this year so I started playing around in January within six weeks I'd done ten wow. patterns <laughs> and then I spent the next month not knitting or crocheting at all because I'd managed to injure both of my wrists yeah. in the process mm -hmm. <laughs> which is why I got other people to test yeah. partly to test knit the patterns and partly because I just couldn't I couldn't risk injuring myself even more because I, I use my wrists a lot with the dyeing with the yeah. twisting mm -hmm. and the lifting and I think I just hadn't realised how much pressure I was putting on them. So I stopped knitting, got everybody else to knit the patterns for me. And then once I got all the socks back, we've been painstakingly taking photographs. My mm -hmm. husband's been making all the charts. He's had to learn how to use different softwares so he can chart everything. And you're, you're hoping to have it out for end of July? End of July, Brilliant. yes. Do you have a title? Do you know what it is? The Sock Drawer. Oh, no, I like, I that. like that. Can we leave, can we put that in? Yeah. The yeah. And will that be available? I'm guessing through your Etsy shop, but people could just link through your website. Yeah. What we're going to do when it's nearly ready is we'll launch a pre-order for yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So the same as the Beatrix kits, the people that pre-order it will get it first, yeah. and then the next lot of people will be the ones that come to see us at the show. Yeah. And um, like that'll be Fiber East and possibly British Wool because I don't think I'll have the time between yeah. the two yeah. of them. But then between British Wool and Pop Up, I'll get it on the internet yeah. for a general, general release, and hopefully the ebook will be ready by then. But people can pre-order it. Yes. Yeah, I'm hoping to have the pre-order ready early July, end wow. of June, early July. So if people wanted to pre-order and to follow you, they should Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. What's your Instagram name? At Truly Hooked. And Facebook. www.facebook.com forward slash Truly Hooked. Brilliant. I know definitely quite a lot more about dyeing. I feel like I know quite a bit more about you and the company and kind of what it is that you're aiming to go for. I think the first thing that hit me when we met you at Woolfest, like you want to be able to do this, but you've definitely got an end goal of being quite commercially minded and yeah. coming at it from different angles. 
but it's not a fluffy world of oh today I'm going to die you have a very definite path that I feel like you want to go yeah, down yeah I'm just going to stick nice. some more wood in the microwave but yeah I mean I'm not naive I know that there is only so far a small scale business can go in a world of very big commercial dyers but I think there is the potential for me to go bigger and to do more I just I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm in a factory and somebody else is doing it for yeah. me yeah I think we've exhausted all of our questions really? I feel like we've kind of scooped out part of your brain in that one <laughs> It was a really lovely interview. Thank you for no that. No problem. Sorry, it's really right. interesting.